The following interview was recorded live at the North American Menopause Society, or NAMS, annual meeting. Founded in 1989, NAMS is North America's leading nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting the health and quality of life of all women during midlife and beyond through an understanding of menopause and healthy aging. Hello, this is Dr. Prathima Sethi, and I'm your host for this segment on ReachMD. Today I have with us Dr. Risa Kagan. Dr. Kagan is a clinical professor in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology and Reproductive Sciences at the University of California, San Francisco. She is also very active in the North American Menopause Society, having served several leadership positions and is the current chair of the awards committee for the society. Dr. Kagan, it's such an honor to have you here with us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here today. Today, we will be focusing our discussion on individualizing hormonal therapy for the menopausal patient. Dr. Kagan, what are some of the common symptoms related to menopause you find in your practice? Well, the hallmark of menopause, of course, is hot flashes. And we see women starting to experience this even before they've had their last menstrual period. By definition, one looks back and says, oh, that was my last menstrual period. A year later, we say that you're postmenopausal. But we know that the peak incidence happens many a time during the late perimenopausal era and into the early postmenopausal time. And so hot flashes is really the hallmark of menopause. But another very common symptom for women, which now needs to be kind of brought out of the closet, it may be something that peaks a little later than those early, the average age of menopause is 51, would be more like a 58 to 59 a few years later, is something that we're now calling GSM, genitourinary syndrome of menopause. And VVA, vulvovaginal atrophy, which is the old name, is a component. It's like one part of that syndrome. All of these are the result of low estrogen and declining estrogen levels or fluctuating estrogen levels for hot flashes. And then for uh, GSM, it really is due to the lack of estrogen in the vulvovaginal tissue. And for those patients with lack of estrogen in the vulvovaginal tissue, do they have symptoms of vaginal dryness? How do you address that? Well, yes. I mean, when, when we're talking about the syndrome, it's, it's when women have thin walls in the vagina, we do examinations, women will come in, you have to ask. I mean, that's the problem is that women don't think about this being associated with this time of life. And there's a lot of all the different major organizations now are trying to have women really understand that this is also a symptom of menopause and very, very common. But if you don't ask your patients, and many physicians or healthcare providers in general are uncomfortable and they don't even understand it, so they don't ask. And there's various societies now that are really pushing this idea of just ask. And there's lots of validated surveys of women and not talking about it, not bringing it up and thinking that it's part of this whole syndrome. So um, we have lots of good, safe treatment options for the syndrome. People think mostly about hot flashes. They don't think about vaginal dryness, burning, painful sex, which is dyspareunia. And when in clinical trials related to this topic, the most common complaint when we ask women, what is your most bothersome symptom of what we call BVA is um, dyspareunia, painful sex. And the second one is vaginal dryness, where someone may feel it when they're sitting or spinning or biking or wiping themselves. So as far as BVA or, or hot flashes, um, I know they're two very different symptoms. How do you approach uh, treatment options? Well, uh, this gets into individualization. And I think you really need to know your patient well. And if it's a new patient, it's important for to take a really good history. Women come in and they have their own biases. 
And, you know, besides taking an extremely personal good history about their past history, if they've ever been on any kind of contraception, what the reaction was to certain hormonal therapies previously, you really want to know. Many of them will come in and say that their mother took hormones for life. They're okay with it. Another one will say that, well, forget it. My mother took hormones and she got breast cancer, so I'm never going to take it. And fortunately, what we have is a lot of good options for women now, even approved for the first time this last year, an agent that is non-hormonal specifically for hot flashes. We also have to overcome what happened over the last 12 years. 2002, the Women's Health Initiative came out, and people really interpreted the data um, not for, they, they interpreted a, cr a chronic disease evaluation study, okay, where the average age was 63, and looking for prevention, to these newly symptomatic women. And over the last 12 years, there have been so many studies showing that the health benefits for symptomatic women between 50 and 60 outweigh the risks. Yet we have to convince our patients that it is safe to be able to take these agents, not for all women, but for most young, healthy women. So they come in, you got to good history, family history. You need to do some kind of physical evaluation. I think women should have lipids done. I think they should have a metabolic panel done. You have to want to make sure that they don't have, um, you know, high triglycerides. Then you wouldn't give them an oral agent. You'd rather use transdermal. You want to make sure their liver function studies are normal. You want to make sure that they're not hyper or hypothyroid. Um, a number of different kinds of tests make sure they have a good breast exam, normal mammogram, and then you pretty much can sit down and describe what the options are. We also have lower doses of estrogen that have been shown to be very efficacious. And also, of course, if a woman has a uterus, we must protect the endometrium. I really do encourage my patients. It's a rare patient that I will see that will come in that I've never met before that I'll give a prescription right away to. It's a rare patient that I'll come in. I'll start the education prior to even their last menstrual period. And NAMS, the North American Menopause Society, www.menopause.org, is an outstanding site for accurate, accurate evidence-based information for both my colleagues, my practitioners who I teach, medical students, residents, as well as the consumer. There's a whole consumer patient part of that that really explains they have a good consumer book. They have something called MenoNotes to present all these different options. And then the patient can come back for a special visit. We will talk about exactly um, what they're experiencing and what they think. And do you think that uh, that's the reason why a lot of practitioners, you mentioned uh, the WHI, uh, do you think that's a reason why a lot of practitioners out there are reluctant to prescribe um, these hormone replacement therapies? Absolutely. And we no longer call it hormone replacement therapy for a reason. We call it hormone therapy because we're giving a drug. It's therapy, okay? Like any other agent, you weigh the benefits versus the risks. So we, we're now using much lower doses. We're not replacing anything except for, quote unquote, their own natural estradiol, or we're using conjugated estrogens. And then if they have a uterus, we're using some kind of agent to protect the uterus. But really, we're trying to use lower doses just to rid them of their symptoms. And there's now we have lots of data on different dosing working for hot flashes. We even have this year a new agent that was approved for women who have a uterus. It's a combination of conjugated estrogen, a lower dose, 0.45, than was even in that study, in combination to protect the uterus with a SERM, a selective estrogen receptor modulator. And this is called DUAV, the brand name, but it is a 0.45 conjugated estrogen in combination with 20 milligrams of a new SERM to the United States called basidoxaphene. And that takes the place 
of a progestin or progestogen to protect the lining of the uterus, the endometrium. And we also this year for hot flashes have the first FDA-approved alternative to estrogen, non-hormonal, which is a low-dose LDMP peroxetine, 7.5 milligram. And yes, we've for years have been using off-label, not FDA-approved, SSRIs, SNRIs, gabapentin. But some patients are reluctant just using those agents without knowing that they went through the FDA process. So it's wonderful that we have, you know, traditional hormone therapy, different doses, different delivery systems, different ways of giving it. We have many agents to protect the endometrium, different kinds of progestins and natural micronized progesterone. And then now we have this new air agent and TSEC, you know, with basically tissue selective estrogen complex, estrogen with the conjugated estrogen with this serum and the first non-hormonal agent approved for hot flashes. So women should not suffer. We just have to spend some time individualizing what's going to be right for that patient. If you are just tuning in, we are speaking with Dr. Risa Kagan, and we are discussing individualizing hormonal therapy for the postmenopausal patient. What's your thoughts on bioidentical hormones? A lot of patients ask about this all the time. Well, this is where I actually have in my office something called a MenoNote put out by the North American Menopause Society, and I give it to each patient to read. And then I also give them various articles um, last year in more magazine actually there was an investigative reporter that you know broke the myth of uh, bioidentical hormones it's an outstanding piece last october it was published and really what women are hearing is bioidentical means mimicking what their own body was producing so it's estradiol and natural micronized progesterone the data is really not there to say for sure that there is there any safer. What women come in asking for, though, is what is being kind of pushed out there in the alternative world, which is compounding agents saying that it's safer. And there's no greater data to say that it's, you know, better data to say that they're safer. I think women should know what they're getting. And FDA-approved bioidentical hormones, if that's what they want, we have plenty. We have oral agents. We have transdermal agents. We have natural micronized progesterone now available, even generic. So if that's what they would like, then we're happy to give it. But it should be FDA-approved so you know what you're getting. Because what came out in that article is, is that people who do the compounding, we have no clue what they're getting. Sometimes they take it by mouth, they take it in drops, sometimes creams, gels. So you, on one hand, you can have a very high dose with, you know, just a very high one-day elevation, then goes down to nothing, or other, one, other times it can be very low dose and they're getting nothing and they're paying a lot of money. And for certain, you cannot use these compounding products for protection of the endometrium. There are reported cases of people using these over-the-counter or even compounded products um, with uh, hyper, endometrial hyperplasia or cancer even developing. So I really do think that it's important that people understand the myth around the bioidentical hormone story. Those are very good points, Dr. Kagan. And what are your thoughts on herbal therapies? A lot of patients, they perceive herbal therapies to be safer than prescription medications. What's your thoughts on those? Well, I, I always show this great slide that Dr. Catherine Newton published a few years ago from the HALT study. It was the herbal alternative study, and it was carried out to 12 months, and um, it was looking at black cohosh and a few other herbs in comparison to placebo. And by the end of 12 months, there was absolutely no difference in hot flashes. So I think they should save their money. This past year and many of the symposium here at NAMS that were presented, the one, um, say, alternative complementary therapy that looks like it's promising is hypnosis. 
There's mixed data on acupuncture. There's this whole network called MS Flash, which is an NIH-funded, it's not pharma-funded, and they've looked at a lot of these different, you know, yoga, deep breathing. Most have not been found to be better than the sham or placebo. Hypnosis looks quite promising. But women slept better, they felt better, and I think anything that can help women feel better, it may not totally reduce hot flashes, but it definitely can reduce the triggers that cause some of the hot flashes. Those are all very good points, Dr. Kagan. And do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? It seems like there are many options uh, out there available for symptomatic uh, menopausal women. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I think besides individualization and what's right for one person may not be right for another, I think dosing, we're so lucky we have different options that we must reevaluate our patients. So if I go off and say to the patient, this is you know, what we're going to do, I'm going to see you back in six, four weeks, six weeks, we're going to find the right combination to start with, it doesn't mean we can't change it. And now with electronic medical records and EHR emailing, I have patients report back to me, I definitely see people back. If you give a patient a prescription and don't see them back, believe me, they'll throw it in the trash. So it's important to follow up with their patients. So individualization, different dosing, different options, finding out what's right for that woman may not be the same thing for the next woman. And so it really does take a little bit of art, not just only science. And they always say, well, how long am I going to need to be on that? Well, that's another thing. We'll see year by year. We do know that if you're very symptomatic, regardless of how long you've been on it, about 50% of women, when they stop it in years to come, will need something to go back on to. So um, I tell people, we, maybe you'll go back on a lower dose. We'll see. We'll keep trying. Um, if they don't need to be on hormone therapy systemically, because their hot flashes have gone, gone away and gotten less, or they don't need to be, then we have great choices for GSM or what we used to call VBA, vulvovaginal atrophy, that are safe and low dose, including vaginal local estrogen. And we also now have the first oral non-estrogen agent available. It's a serum called Osfina, Osfemaphine, for that same condition. Lastly, Dr. Kagan, can you discuss Menopro? Uh, which is a new mobile app for managing menopausal symptoms for the clinician as well as the patient? So what's coming at the end, it's been online, it was published online, and from the you go to the menopause website and you can see what it looks like, but by the end of the month, and I was a beta test site, um, you will be able to download this app for free from NAMS that you will be able to put on your smartphone and you will be able to, you know, it's a whole treatment paradigm for symptomatic women if they're having moderate to severe hot flashes and it helps you go through their risk factors. It incorporates the latest increase in the American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology risk for um, cardiovascular disease, 10-year risk with years from menopause. And it will lead you down a pathway based on her individual health profile of weight and blood pressure. Do they smoke? Don't they smoke? And options for hormone therapy leading to charts, leading to um, even fracs for, bone, for looking at their bone risk. And if they're not a candidate for hormone therapy, it leads you right down to all the non-hormonal options for hot flashes. And then as you enter this app, as a healthcare provider, there'll be one side and the other side is for the patient or the consumer also in different language. And if you don't have moderate to severe hot flashes, it will lead you down the other path, which is do you have genital urinary symptoms and list all the products that are available for VVA or what we call GSM now. So it's, it's wonderful. Menopro, it's called. That sounds great. I will have to try that. Thank you so much, Dr. Kagan, for your time. Thank you for asking me to be here. I am your host, Dr. Pathima Seti, and you've been listening to ReachMD Radio. If you missed any part of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com to download this podcast. Thank you for listening.